Hi, this is Chris Claremont. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 17, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 161 and X-Men number 101 from July 1976. to the 17th episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and have some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. Some of my friends that are joining me today are Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Bad. It's a prescription for danger. Thanks for having me. I'm heading off to the carnival. I'm going to hit the Ferris wheel and I brought a sniper rifle. Oh. Are you going to get a hot dog? Maybe. Uh, if not, get some cotton candy then. Okay. Uh, also joining us on this wild ride here is Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. Hey, my professor just sent me to the middle of effing nowhere in Ireland while he max on underage student. So, <laughs> so I'm glad to be here. You might want to call your counselor or something. And... Also joining us is Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. So no one's going to comment that Jared has a sniper rifle and it's going to the... <laughs> You asked him if he had a hot dog. What, yeah. what, what's wrong with you? Jason the got follow-up question. questions with his professor. I was completely let go with that sniper rifle. <laughs> you are in much. Alabama. Don't you all go to the fair with your sniper rifles? <laughs> yep. <laughs> How do you win the prizes? Certainly not with those guns they give you. They're rigged. They're rigged. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you bring your own, boys. Uh, well, before we go down deeper down any other holes here, let's bring in our special guest for this episode it is Ryan Daly from the podcast Cheercast and other podcasts on the Fire and Water Network. Welcome, Ryan. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And I should tell you guys for my first visit here, much like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, there are two sides to Ryan Daly. The kind and professional side that most people see is known as Mr. Sweetums. <laughs> but when I get nasty, when the fangs come out, that's when the world sees Senior Chubbins. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Mr. Chubbins, if you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said it before I could. I'm just sitting here at awe right now going, oh, my God, that was so awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your many sides of you and your podcast that you, you have going on. My current labor of love is Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name, which is an index show recounting my favorite TV show of all time, the NBC sitcom Cheers. Right now I'm in the middle of the first season. It's going great. I'm loving it. I'm loving the feedback and it's a lot of fun. So uh, you, you were a big fan of Cheers back in the day then? 
yeah, it's my favorite show of all time. I, I started watching it. I, I was very I was a baby when it premiered, but uh, it's one of my earliest sort of primordial memories was watching that with the family and, and growing up and, and loving those characters. And yeah, yeah. So it's uh, and it's it's a show that despite you know premiering in the early '80s and running into the '90s, I think it ages remarkably well. The humor yeah. is pretty relevant. It's a very timeless, and, and the characters are fantastic. And yeah, yeah you got so. the early Woody Harrelson there later mm-hmm. on, and yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite uh, Norm liner? Oh gosh, I actually it, it, oh, there's so many. I'm sure I'm forgetting, but like the one, that, a lot of the ones that I come back to, I just posted it on Facebook because I I just got my hands on the Mego action figure Norm Peterson doll because <laughs> like retro vintage TV things. Like they've got Fonzie from Happy Days. They've got I think Alice from the Brady Bunch, uh, and there's going to be a couple of uh, Cheers figures. And I got the Norm one, and it's I think it's from the first season when Sam asks, "What are you up to, Norm?" And he goes, "My ideal weight if I was 11 feet tall." <laughs> <laughs> my favorite was the one where Woody asked him, "How's the world treating you, Mr. Peterson?" <laughs> he says, "Let me tell you, Woody, it's a dog eat dog world out <laughs> there, and I'm I wearing milk, milk, milk bone underwear." <laughs> That's my favorite one too. <laughs> There's another. How's the world treating you? Like I just feel like it caught me in bed with its wife. <laughs> yeah. Like a baby treats a diaper. <laughs> Oh boy, oh, I, I, I definitely am enjoying the show, Ryan, and, and I'm watching along with you. So thank you very much. With that, why don't we get started with this episode's issues? Let's go ahead and hit a podcast promo, and we will be right back. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan, how's that baby treating you, Mister Daly? Like Thanos snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Got to give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? (laughs) Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and... Most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. <laughs> Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Welcome back from the break. The first featured issue is Amazing Spider-Man number 161. We're going to go over some credits here, and they're from Mike's Amazing World. Marvel was the publisher. We have a cover date of October 1976. On sale date of July 13th, 1976. Got a cover price of 30 cents, so the price went up. Editor is Len Wein, and the writer is Delvin's favorite, Len Wein. <laughs> what can go wrong with this? We have penciler is Ross Andrew. And anchor is everybody's favorite, Mike. I don't even have to say it anymore. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. We got letterer is Irving Watanabe. Watanabe. Uh, I was going to guess Watanabe here. Watanabe me. Watanabe you. (laughs) (laughs) That makes, you know what, that's a key point. (laughs) Roll on, roll on. We got our favorite color me bad colorist, Glennis Ween. Is she the greatest colorist of all time or what? Man, she is really good. She's on everything. It's yeah. like they had one colorist at Marvel and they like had her chained to a desk. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Pat, I apologize for interrupting, but I had to mute my microphone because I was coughing. Who did you say the inker was? Yeah. Oh, um, well, Ryan, I can tell you, it is Mike Espadito. Espadito. If you want to read along with us, you can definitely do it with the original copy. Otherwise, some reprints can be found in Marvel Tales starring Spider-Man number 214 from 1988. Otherwise, the Essential Punisher Volume 1 trade paperback 2004 or the Essential Spider-Man Volume 8 trade paperback from 2007. Or you can follow along with us on Marvel Unlimited. Let's get to some cover credits. Penciler is Gil Kane with inks by John Romita. So let's go ahead and get a look at that cover. Delvin? The banner up top is Spider-Man Marvel Comics Group. White lettering and turquoise. And now to the actual contents of the cover. The main focus of it is Nightcrawler in the center. He is fighting Spider-Man. He has him in a headlock there. They are fighting high above a carnival. There's a big Ferris wheel. That is the background there. At the bottom, you see some police officers gathered. And you also see some circus or carnival tents. There is the classic Amazing Spider-Man logo with the webs, which everyone likes. And then there's one caption that says, it's the battle you demand it as everyone's favorite web slinger struggles for his very life against Nightcrawler. And then there's one more that says, and if that isn't enough trouble, the Punisher is gunning for Spidey 2. Because he brought his rifle to the fan. That's not normal. Oh, okay. Not a good thing to do, Jet. We'll we'll talk later. So we need to discuss this cover. And the first person who needs to discuss the cover is our guest, Ryan. Thank you, Delvin. It's Gil Kane with John Romita inking. So you're not going to get a bad cover from them. It's a very interesting. It's a very striking image. The one thing, and as soon as I noticed this, I couldn't not notice it. Like every time, the way Spider-Man and Nightcrawler are positioned, the way they seem to be fighting, it feels a little bit like they're detached from the Ferris wheel and like the, the image behind them. It almost feels like one of those things where like the foreground image of the two of them fighting and the background are separate. Mm-hmm. You could have like yeah. almost transposed any like image of like New York mm-hmm. skyline in the back, that type of thing. So it just kind of weirdly feels like they're not in the actual location or atmosphere. But other than that, it's cool. Again, with this art team, it's not going to be a bad one. I don't know, just maybe like the arrangement of their bodies, their poses doesn't seem as dynamic as it should, even though they're in action. I like it. I don't love it. That's really kind of all I can say. Jared, what do you think? I'm 100% in agreement with you. That was what jumped out at me, too. It's great. Like you said, Gil Kane, John Romita. It does feel like an over overlay on a background. I'm with you. I like it. Don't love it. Delvin, you got thoughts on it? I know you described it, but you got thoughts? My thoughts mirror what you guys have already said. I think it's a good pick of Spidey and Nightcrawler and it told the story of the book, but nothing super dynamic that blew me away, but good cover. Jason, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm just going to parrot what you folks have said. I'm a sucker for Nightcrawler, as folks know. So anytime you got the two of them on the cover, I think that's great. I'm in total agreement. Yeah, your foreground and your background just seem to be a little bit misaligned. But yeah, still a good cover. Pat, wrap it up. What do you think? I'll just regurgitate what everybody else had said there. I like the art. It's very good. And the only other note I have is that looking at it, I get a sense of height, at least. There was something off about it, and Ryan definitely nailed that one pretty good. And help me understand that one why i was feeling it was a little off but i do get a sense of some height at least you know from you're looking at the ferris wheel and then you can see some of the police cars and that down below other than that a nice looking cover why don't we go ahead and get the ratings done so if this is your first time or your multiple time just a reminder for jason here then we're going to get into the cover rating and our rating system is on a five scale one to five hey, scale candy cans. <laughs> 
Oh, sorry. We're not this there is yet. why he reads it. This is why he has to read yeah. it every time. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Every time. So it's a one through five scale. One is it ruffled your tummy feathers. You hated it. Two is you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four is you really liked it. Or five, it tickled your tummy feathers. You loved it. I kind of get a sense of feeling where everybody might be, but let's see. Let's start with Ryan. My tummy feathers are undisturbed, so it's like right in the middle there. It would probably be a high three for me. Maybe okay. a four, but most likely a very high three. Jared? Totally agree. Strong three. My tummy feathers are like, this is interesting, but they've had themselves tickled by that. <laughs> nah, interesting. How about wonder... you, Kelvin? What's, what's going on with your tummy feathers today? They're quite unmoved, we'll discover. <laughs> very still tummy feathers. So I give it a three. Jason? Scott Nightcrawler gets a four. All right, I'll give you that. Pat, what do you think? I'm going to go with a three. I was thinking everybody was going to be at a three, but I guess not. Jason threw me off there with the four for having the Nightcrawler on there. So It adds authenticity to Ryan and Jared's three plus, though, that yes. somebody gave it a four. Yeah, that's true. Good job, Jason. They got me with Nightcrawler, man. Throw Nightcrawler in there. It's going to bump it up a little bit. With that, why don't we go ahead and get into the synopsis? And that's going to be brought to you by Jason. Take it away. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. his amazing friend, Iceman and Firestar. amazing friends. And this one's titled, And the Nightcrawler Came Prowling, Prowling. When the X-Man Nightcrawler reads in the paper that his old circus buddy has been murdered, he heads off to investigate. Meanwhile, Peter and MJ are coincidentally at the fairgrounds when another victim is murdered by a mysterious sniper. Peter changes into Spider-Man, and he and the elf-like mutant run into each other for the first time. Each mistakenly believing the other to be the killer, they square off for battle in true Marvel fashion. The battle ends in a stalemate, after Nightcrawler teleports away, but when the fuzzy mutant witnesses Spider-Man recover his camera, he knows he must get the film in order to prevent the existence of the new X-Men from reaching the public. In Interlude 1, we learn the secret of the photos astute listeners may remember from our last podcast. Remember that time Spidey stashed his murder clone in his closet, had relations with MJ with the body decomposing in said closet, then chucked <laughs> aforementioned body down an industrial incinerator stack? Well, someone got it I on sure camera. do. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> Who hasn't, right? 
Well, someone got this on camera and sent those pictures to J. Jonah Jameson, and that is not good news for our hero. So we see a second interlude where we see the Punisher discover that the villain on the killing spree is posing as our favorite vigilante, and he doesn't like it. And then we finally wrap up with Spider-Man and Nightcrawler squaring off once more for battle over Spidey's film. Before the fight can conclude, however, it is interrupted by the Punisher, who believes one of them is the killer. Will Spidey and Nightcrawler finally team up? Will the Punisher start spraying brass? Who is the real killer? How much Febreze does it take to get the odor of a decomposing body out of your closet? Tune in next time. Just one spray, dude. It's awfully powerful. <laughs> that Febreze is really good stuff, man. That's how I survived Iraq was Febreze. I would think it's a two spray. <laughs> Jason's Iraq joke. They need to like get a crop duster to just, just crop dust Iraq with <laughs> <laughs> Febreze. You're going to save trillions of dollars just last night. <laughs> Besides, it finally found peace. <laughs> Nobody can fight in this wonderful scent. <laughs> Ooh, what is that, lavender? Oh, that's so calming. <laughs> Death uh, to the sea. Oh, wait, is that lavender spot? <laughs> oh, goodness. Back to you, Pat. <laughs> Well, let's get to the brick. Since we're already laughing here, let's get to the brick a brack here of this issue. Let's start with our first one. It's first read or reread. It's going to be a first read for me. Jason, how about you? First read as well, Pat. What about you, Delvin? First read for me, Jared. First read, Ryan Daly. This is a first read for me. I'm Woo! surprised because I've read a lot from this era of Spider Man, but I've never read this issue. Oh, the fly uh, in the sky. Reading rainbows. Take a look in a book. rainbow. We're saving you edits, Pat. We, you don't even have to edit. <laughs> yeah, we just have, yeah, to, have to put the, uh, the soundtrack in. <clears throat> well, let's go into the highs and lows now. Let's start off with Ryan. What's your highs and lows for this issue? Well, similar to what Jason was saying about the cover, I like that this issue featured Nightcrawler. He's one of my favorite X-Men characters. To see him very prominently in this issue was really cool. Also, to see him play a role that he doesn't usually play in any of the X-Men books. First, it's rare to kind of see most of the X-Men characters other than Wolverine interacting with the larger Marvel Universe, kind of going out on their own little side adventures. But to have him kind of play like a little bit of a detective story in this issue, it's interesting. It's kind of fun to see him do that. I liked the opening scene, like the first couple pages with Nightcrawler, Wolverine, and Colossus in the X-Men's Danger Room. It's funny to think, I mean, Len Wein co-created these characters for, well, Wolverine preceded that, but the others for Giant Size X-Men, and then they were quickly taken over by Chris Claremont, who would write these guys for more than a decade, so he kind of defined their voices. But if you think about when these guys, like, you know, their very earliest appearances, this isn't dissimilar. It kind of feels like Len Wein had a hook for the way these guys interact at that time. Now, it might feel a little bit out of character for them today, or even like a year later, but it seemed like he kind of knew the characters a little bit. And then I have to say, honestly, the highlight for me, I almost wanted to save it for the later category because I would almost put it in the silly Jonah <laughs> category moment. But it's when J. Jonah Jameson is spying on Spider-Man and Robbie in the office. And after he has this revelation, he turns around and it's like the third panel in this page. It's, the caption reads, silently, literally on tiptoe, the irascible <laughs> publisher of the Daily Bugle sneaks back down the hall. Who's like, really? He's literally on his tiptoes? This is like a 56-year-old man who's the, like the publisher, editor-in-chief of a major metropolitan newspaper, and he has to literally tiptoe to his office? 
He's as agile as Spider-Man is. <laughs> yeah, that thrilled me. I liked the action. It was kind of fun to see Spider-Man and Nightcrawler who physically have a lot of the same type of acrobatic-based powers and stunts to kind of like almost neutralize each other in the way they attack each other. It's kind of like, okay, that didn't work. He's really kind of evenly matched here. So mm-hmm. that was fun. Any lows? It could have used Storm being in this issue. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think you get a pretty good taste of Storm in the next one. You really? I will do. save it Can for we that. We start talking about that. It's not time yet, Jared. It's not no, time. No. Let's have a little appetizer here, and then we'll get to the main course. I guess <laughs> for you two. My lows really verge into the silly Spidey moment, so I kind of want to say sure. I want to yeah. withhold that one. Delvin, what do you think? I came up with this idea, and I'm hoping that every one of the regular Crusaders follows it of having so two good going. and one bad. Like <laughs> that was was my idea. I made that up. <laughs> So we'll start with the good here. It seems like there's a grander story that's being set up and the photos that were revealed from last issue. That seems very interesting. So it's going to be kind of cool to see where it goes with that, even though I have been burned before. (laughs) 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 With Lynn. But you know what? That's okay. You know, when you're a sucker for Spidey like I am, I can erase all of my past with Lynn and hope that next story is going to be like much, much better. Also good. I like the crossover idea to market the X-Men and the idea to set up the Nightcrawler Spidey fight was a good one. Ryan brought up a really good point because I thought the dialogue between the X-Men that they showed, I was like, oh, that's a little bit stilted. I don't know the X-Men would act like this, but then again, when Wayne literally co-created these characters, maybe he does know what they sound like better than Delvin does. So I got to give Lynn a bunch of slack there. You know, these are partly his characters. And this, at the time, in 76, this is some revolutionary stuff. Having the X-Men in a Spidey book and having Nightcrawler meet him for the first time. This was really big stuff. And so all of that is cool. I don't really have anything bad to say. Really? No, I'm being honest. I don't. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting for him. Like, I sure. Okay. Awesome. I'm sure. I don't. I, I looked through the issue. I read it, then went back and looked through it. I'm like, nope, nothing super bad to say. It seems like a setup for our issues to come, and I am content to wait and see. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Jared, what do you got, dude? I have 14 highs and three lows. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking the code. You're breaking the code. <laughs> yeah, you guys have said it really well. So I'm actually going to trade in some of my highs and lows for questions. I have legitimate questions for the group because I have previously stated on previous episodes, I'm not terribly wise in the ways of the X-Men. It's a franchise I haven't read a lot. So question number one. This seems like the second time since we've started this crusade that they've talked about Nightcrawler having some kind of enhanced strength. And what I do know of the X-Men, that doesn't seem right to me. They show him almost going pound for pound with Spider-Man. And I'm just like, I always thought Nightcrawler was more in the maybe Captain America strength level. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? Any experts, if you will? I have some thoughts. Spidey is much, much stronger than Nightcrawler. So it was a little bit overplayed here, but... But then again, in some of the earlier X issues, like Nightcrawler was like punching folks and they're all like, oh, like, really? It's Nightcrawler. He's pretty physically weak as compared to a lot of the Marvel Universe. 
So I was willing to overlook that for this book, particularly when, you know, first time crossover type thing, you know, so I was willing to overlook it. I'm passing it off to anybody who wants to take the baton. I think this is just something about the characters that will be defined over time. And remember, again, like right now at this point, Nightcrawler's first appearance was maybe a year ago, publishing wise, if not let, or one to two years at the most, because I think X-Men was bi-monthly for a yes. while, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. he has not been around that long. So I think they're still kind of developing him over time. But yeah, Good to point. what Delvin said, I think he's probably a little bit stronger than what you would see an average normal human being would be. But no, super strength is not one of his attributes. You wouldn't put him on the level of a Captain America or a Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man, sometimes they define is really one of the strongest humans on the planet. So if he got a good sucker punch, yeah, he could daze Spider-Man maybe. But if they're going pound for pound in terms of strength, no, it's not even close. Gotcha. Jason, anything to add? Just that Marvel superheroes role-playing game, which I consider gospel, is the... Uh, That's where I get night, most of my information. Has <laughs> Nightcrawler <laughs> as a strength of good, which is three <laughs> levels below Spider-Man, who has a strength of incredible, which is 40. Yes. So, yeah, I think Spider-Man is probably about four times stronger than Nightcrawler. According to the Marvel role-playing game, which, as we all know, is the word of our Lord and Savior, Stanley. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Excelsior. Crazy, isn't it? Excelsior, yeah. Well, you see here the, um, the power level of uh, 25. Because they had that scene where he was like, if I had time, I could pry open the steel door. And I'm like, no, no, you no, really couldn't. No, I don't think you could. <laughs> you know what you could do is teleport inside that. Door. Yes. Yeah, I thought that too. I'm like, why doesn't he just if go in there? If you really wanted to. I mean, <laughs> if we're problem solving here. <laughs> yeah, it's like in time, you could probably call the fire department and they could call <laughs> all the life, you know? I mean, that, that technically takes time, right? And he didn't well, have time. He had to get that guy. I have one more question, and this is probably just a broader question about comics in general. On content page two, Nightcrawler is reading the paper upside down. Wolverine is bouncing on a trampoline. <laughs> and As Wolverine is wont to do. Yes, yes. <laughs> As established in many comics and movies, Wolverine bumps the trampoline. Yeah, like if there was a trampoline, you wouldn't bounce on it. Come on. (laughs) Cut the guy some slack. But my question actually revolves around Colossus. And this is a question I've had for many years. Colossus is lifting weights. Does he need to? And I've often posted in the realm of Spider-Man, but I think it broadens across pretty much all heroes. And I think Delvin and I might have had this nerd talk before. Do you think if Spider-Man worked out and lifted weights, he could get stronger? Or is he just as strong as he's going to be regardless? And it kind of flows in the same question about Colossus. Does he need to lift weights? Can he get stronger? Or is that just, you know, make for a good drawing? Thoughts on that? Let's start with our guest, Ryan. Yeah, I think actually being in physically fit shape working out does make them a little bit stronger. It's not the metal that coats Colossus's skin that gives him the strength. I think that just kind of gives him more endurance, more like uh, invulnerability and it does increase his strength but I think if he let himself go and just like you know vegged on donuts and beer for two years and just became like kind of a metal coated fat slob he'd be strong but he wouldn't be as strong I do think like working out like I think the difference between somebody like those and a character like Superman his strength it's based on his alien physiology so I don't think it matters if he's drawn super muscled or not 
Um, to kind of make it as short, I think the physical conditioning aspect of keeping their bodies in shape, working out, limited, I do think that it puts them in a better condition physically to use their strength, to use their speed, to use their fighting techniques. So yeah, I don't think it's a pointless waste of time for somebody like Colossus to lift weights. That was where I would come down on it. Anybody else? We've never seen Colossus other than the big, big muscular farm boy from Russia. So it's not like they've ever had him become a fat slob and then he armors up and there's this you know stretchy marks around the armor and his belly <laughs> it doesn't quite close there like the, the metal bands just stop <laughs> that soft well, it, underbelly. it's kind of hard to say i guess it couldn't hurt it definitely goes to show how strong he is but as far as spidey i'm kind of the same way i think spidey even if he went out of shape he wouldn't stop being as strong he just wouldn't really be as proficient. Yeah, it's kind of like a martial art. You'd be a pretty good martial artist if you'd done it for say like 10 years and then you stopped for a year or two, but you wouldn't be as proficient as you were when you started back again. You'd be rusty. That makes sense. So I traded in my eyes for those two questions and so I'll just throw in one low. Still bugs me that Mary Jane has this wacky kind of out of character thing. She's always busting Spidey's cojones and then openly flirts with the fry guy. guy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what? Are you doing with your life, Mary That's Jane? Right. Mary we'll, Jane wants that foot long. Oh, I was going to say, we might get Mary Jane's input later on in the show. Sounds like she's showing up. That's it for me. I will pass it to... I know who it is. It's me. Jason. Okay, well. Yay! <laughs> I think you guys covered a lot of it. I'll just say that it was really cool to see the first interaction between Spidey and Nightcrawler in the comics. They're two of my favorite characters, and both are incredibly agile. I thought the early Punisher was also kind of cool. It was kind of interesting how they portrayed his violence without showing a lot of violence in the frames. They really did a good job of walking that line between having a violent character but not showing too much violence in the comic. Those were my two favorite highs. The only thing that really is kind of disturbing me and it's kind of a pattern I've seen through Len Wayne's writing is there's just not a lot of humor. It's like there's sometimes he tries to be funny or come up with some witty sayings but I just don't get that spider humor that I got with like say later on with like a Brian Bendis or something like that. So I'm kind of missing that Spidey humor a little bit. But those are my thoughts. Pat, what do you think? One thing I wanted to just quick go back to of the exercise, I think in the comics called Bylaw in number 552, they say that every comic must show exercise being done by superheroes to (laughs) make sure that the kids of America are exercising on a daily basis. That's why I'm getting on my trampoline in just a couple hours. Nice. See, that worked for you. They're trying to raise a generation of Sweetums, not Chubbins. <laughs> well played, right? It tells kids on like America that if you were bit by a radioactive spider, you two still should work out. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's go. <laughs> Jerry kind of mentioned with MJ, she's hungry a lot. <laughs> I know. She last, eats a lot. Week, she wanted a shake and yeah. And now she wants that hot dog and flirting with that hot dog vendor guy. Did she think she was going to get like some extra onions or something it. on that? Or? <laughs> Look, look at her outfit. I mean, oh yeah, she might have just needed a T-shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's on meth. Maybe that's how she stays so skinny. I know the Mary Jane on our show is definitely on meth. <laughs> Mary Jane on the mountains. Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> just her later in life, she got you know strung out. <laughs> 
I agree. It was a really cool fight between Spidey and Nightcrawler. I thought that they were evenly matched, but now hearing you guys, as I'm learning more about Nightcrawler and Spider-Man as we go here, I thought it was evenly matched, but it sounds like there's some powers difference and all that. So I guess we'll wait to see a little bit more as it goes here. The photo dump, when I got to that page of the pictures of Spidey with the clone, man, I was like, oh, wow, that's a really good callback. I was surprised to see that. Yeah, I was too. I'm like, wow, I'm doing the clone dump. I had a question. Let's do the clone dump. <laughs> it's just a dump to the left. <laughs> and then put your clothes in the closet. <laughs> it's astounding <laughs> what the police have been founding. <laughs> <laughs> Old Jason Ford, you had to. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, Punisher. Uh, he didn't have an older series during this time, right? It was more in the 80s when the Punisher series comes out. That's correct. Yeah, I think so. So he's, he shows up a few times here and there, just more menacing, I think, or more threatening. I do love me some Punisher. I do have a lot of the series from the 80s, so uh, it was nice to see him again. But like I said, to me, he was like, wow, this guy's really, you know, he's ruthless, but why is he shooting up people? I can't believe that. Just one other thing. I'm excited for the next issue. Again, I agree with Delvin. If Delvin's got no beef with the writing and the editing on this, you know, it's going to be a good story and that there's really more excitement to come. So I'm really looking forward to this next issue here. Let's get to the silly Spidey moment for this issue. Ryan, what's your silly Spidey moment? I've got two. The first one is the whole opening with Peter and MJ on the roller coaster ride. And he is complaining about like feeling like vertigo, feeling <laughs> yes. nauseous. It's like Spider-Man doesn't feel that. <laughs> Look what I was thinking the same thing too. He swings like, across skyscrapers on webs and everything. He doesn't get sick riding a roller coaster. That's not what Spider-Man <laughs> does. If he did, he would throw up into his mask every time he's swinging across yeah. the Bronx. Yeah. I yep. was wondering if he was just doing like a Christopher Reeve, That's Superman. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Putting it on some something like that just from MJ's benefit, but she wouldn't be impressed by that. Look at who MJ is. She wouldn't be impressed by him acting sick like that. It was weird. My other little silly one is when she's giving him sass and he says, you want a fat lip, Ms. Watson? (laughs) (laughs) Things you couldn't put in comics today. (laughs) Spousal abuse. Hilarious. He talks pretty big for being a sissy on the roller coaster. I know, yeah. (laughs) Then they go to get some food. It's like, are you sure you want to get something to eat after you just complained about your stomach? Nathan's hot dogs are delicious. <laughs> Is that a real place I was going to? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. Nathan's you, famous. Yeah. You can buy hmm. Nathan's at most grocery stores. Yeah. Yes, you can. Nathan's has some really good hot dogs. Yeah. Spend that little extra money and get yourself some Nathan's. I might have to now. If it's good enough for MJ, it's good enough for me. You said it, baby. <laughs> Jared, what was your silly spidey moment? MJ does not settle for low quality wiener, person. <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, my silly spidey moment is I, I tipped my hand already when she openly flirts with the guy who's running the grill at the Coney Island hot dog stand. Mary Jane, get your life in order. I was laughing at you, not with you. Come on, man. The fry guy <laughs> at the damn hot dog stand. He's more of a man than you'll ever be. <laughs> I was just like, come on. So that made me laugh. Delvin, what made you laugh? Look, man, she you would relish the idea of a footlong. I mean, <laughs> Said relish and foot long together. <laughs> I'm not proud, but I haven't been for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so my moment would be I find it somewhat funny that a mass murderer would keep a war journal. That seems weird to me. And then he sounds like a private eye while he's doing it. You know, it's like it was a dark and stormy night. And oh by the way, I killed people. Like what? <laughs> 
okay. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> Who's going to read these books? Like, anyway, that was mine. When does he have time to journal? Is he like doing it beforehand, afterhand? or Right. He goes through these whole adventures. My adrenaline's up, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write. It right. calms me down. Yeah, it uh, yeah, helps him, My psychiatrist helps him bring him back down. Yeah. Keeps him healthy, I guess. Pat. My silly Spidey moment, I think Jason had mentioned it too. There wasn't a lot of normal comedy that I like in here. So I'm just going to go. I like it when he calls people names. They were on the Ferris wheel. Spider-Man calls Nightcrawler Rumpelstiltskin. I had a feeling you were going to like that when I was going to go for the Rumpelstiltskin on that. Yeah, there was the chuckles, but I'm like, you know, Rumpelstiltskin was a good one. I like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. Ha ha ha. He's a short guy. How did your laugh sound again? (laughs) let's go to jason well because i'm a 47 year old child i'm gonna go content page five panel four when peter's eating the hot dog you put that (laughs) (laughs) what i get it it's a lot of stuff Uh, (laughs) no that's it i think that's the funniest panel But oops, the mayonnaise oh, built on my Is this happening on our show? It's <laughs> a funny panel. It made me laugh. Not much else in this comic made me laugh, but that made me laugh. I, I, Dad, are we going to be able to keep that? In? I don't know. <laughs> I want to see what Peter cool. said. <laughs> 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 Jason uh, likes that on reaction. That's right, man. He got his eyes all rolled back. He's looking like he's going to enjoy that. <laughs> well, speaking of enjoying, why don't we just go and see what everybody's rating is right now before we this goes way too far. <laughs> Uh, so well, let's get to our ratings with our rating system again is a one through five. Uh, Jason, hopefully you remember what this is. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do. I got it. I got it. Everybody should know it by now. So let's start with Ryan. What's your rating for this issue? It's very close to my rating for the cover itself. I think I'll actually go a low four just because I liked seeing Nightcrawler kind of out of his normal element. I like seeing him play off of Spider-Man. There were some silly moments, although I do agree, I think, with what Jason said. Len Wein doesn't really bring a lot of the humor aspects that is kind of inherent to a good Spider-Man story. Delvin has complained at length about his problems with Len Wein writing and editing this book for a while now. I can't fight any of the logic and the reasons for that, but I would say that Len Wein is one of my favorite comic book writers of the Bronze Age, but maybe Spider-Man just didn't play to his strengths. I mean, he co-created Swamp Thing, and I love his work on Swamp Thing. Uh, he did some amazing stuff at DC and at Marvel. I really like his Thor run, and he had tons of other. He worked on pretty much every comic book character, but it was a fun story. I think ultimately maybe a little bit forgettable and disposable. I liked it, but I think just the inclusion of the X-Men as a crossover guest stars pumped it up to a low four. Jared? 100% agree. Nothing to add. Ryan nailed it. Delvin? Did you give a rating though, Jared? Four. Just like Ryan. I would give it the week four, just like Ryan did. You know, you guys are starting to sound like weathermen. It's going to be a part like four. (laughs) I got a sunny four. I didn't, it's not a five. It's just a sunny five. There's just a light breeze on the tummy feathers. Not really (laughs) rough. I'm giving it a three, which is quite a bump up from the last issue, 159, that, you know, I read, which was trash can. But 
It's a three. I like it. I am ever hopeful that it's going to go to bigger and greater things. Jason? Normally, I would give it a three. I think that it had elements I like. Like we talked about, not a lot of humor, but it is setting up a very interesting story, which I hope will pay off. Throw in Nightcrawler, bump it up to a four. So four for me. What about you, Pat? I'm going to agree with you as well, too. I, I think this one is a four for me. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the artwork. It's got me interested again in Spidey and where this story is going. I'm at a solid four. I'm not going to be wishy-washy. I'm at a solid four. <laughs> four with a chance of thunder showers at, you know, later <laughs> in With that, I think we have a storm coming on our next issue we will be covering. But before we do that, we will be right back with a promo break. Come back. Back through the Fire and Water Network. Come back with the Supermates. Said, come back. Back to the house of Frankenstein. The Supermates present four blood curdling films with an all star cast Lon Chaney Jr. I know you'll think I'm crazy, but in a half an hour the moon will rise and I'll turn into a wolf. Gary Busey. I'm a little too old to be playing the Hardy Boys Meet Reverend Werewolf. Christina Ricci. I'd love to have a tame one, but I wouldn't have the heart to cage him. Corey Hain. I want you to turn this into a silver bullet. Bela Lugosi. You should be careful. A person can get killed that way. Johnny Depp. No, you must believe me. It was a horseman, a dead one. Headless. Peter Cushing. Have you heard of the cult of the undead? Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Do you know what could happen if I meet Dracula in the woods? I'll bite. Oh, no, you got to stand in line. Plus four monstrous battles with your favorite comic book heroes. I sense you're trying to resist this evil, Batman. Open your mind so I can help you. Destroy me, Sean. Booster Gold, Vampire Slayer. This September and October, come back to the Fire and Water Network and the home of horror and heroes. I believe you're in the house of Dracula right now. No, wrong address. Come back to the house of Franklin Stein. Back. Back. Yes, master. He thinks I'm Dracula. <laughs> Welcome back from the break. The next featured issue for this episode is X-Men 101. Again, credits are from Mike's Amazing World. Thank you, Mike. And its publisher is Marvel. Got a cover date of October 1976. A non-sale date of July 20th, 1976. Cover price of 30 cents. We're in the 30 cents range now. No more 25. Oh, and it's just going to keep going up. Those are good times. Good times, yeah. Grifters. I told you they are going up, y'all. You, see, you, could, you could have like, you know, you can get 50 cents. You buy yourself a comic and then buy by the other 20 cents, you get like 20 Tootsie Rolls for a penny <laughs> or something like that. Ah, I miss those days. Our editor is Archie Goodwin. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire. Esquire. Penciler is Dave Cockrum. Inker, Frank Chiramonti. Chiramonti. Yeah, okay. I thought that was pretty good, dude. Yeah. All right. Chiramonti. All right. Well, I believe shared a desk with Mike Esposito. Esposito. <laughs> a letter is John Costanja. Colorist is Bonnie Wilford. We got a new colorist, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it's not Glennis. We uh, want Glennis. I'm just kidding, Bonnie. You did a great job. I know you listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're sorry, Bonnie. If you want to follow along with us, you can by either having the original copy, which some people may have. We have some reprints in Classic X-Men number nine from 1987. Otherwise, the Marvel Masterworks volume 12 of Uncanny X-Men. You can also find it on Essential X-Men volume one trade paperback from 1996 and Uncanny X-Men omnibus hardcover from 2006. Otherwise, you can read along with us on Marvel Unlimited. Let's get to the cover credit and the cover credit goes to Dave Cockrum. Jason, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the cover. All right, Pat. So this one is an iconic cover where we see the first appearance of Jean Grey as the Phoenix and she is busting out of the water and in the foreground near the bottom of the cover, you can see the heads popping up out of the water of Cyclops, Storm and Nightcrawler. Jean has a fierce look on her face with her arms outspread, kind of in a Christ crucifix pose. And then above her is the X-Men logo in yellow and it's the all-new all different. You've got the Marvel Comics group above that in the red striped letterbox. And then you have the little icon image there that has Banshee, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler in that little price box up in the top left. At the bottom, it says, in the mutant hero's hour of maximum peril, enter the Phoenix. That about wraps it up. Let's get to some thoughts on the cover. Ryan, what's your thoughts on this cover? I love it. That's giving away my rating for this one. But yeah, as Jason let off, it's an iconic image. First time we're seeing Jean as the Phoenix. She looks powerful, like bursting out of the water with all the energy, but you still get the suspense, the looks of fear on Cyclops and Storm. It's a really captivating image. I really dig it. And it's a really cool costume redesigned by Dave Cockrum, who was always really cool at coming up with crazy superhero costumes, whether it was for the X-Men or the Legion of Superheroes. So yeah, really, really cool. Very good. Jared? I agree. It's a very strong image, even as a guy who didn't collect a lot of X-Men. I know it when I see it. I know it's the first appearance of Phoenix. I've seen this cover many times, and every time I see it, I can't help but ask myself one question. Knowing what I know about the waterways in the New York area, especially in this decade, I'm fairly certain that Cyclops is getting hepatitis C. (laughs) (laughs) But aside from that and my jokety jokes, it is a wonderful cover. Dave Cockrum planned it out well. It's well laid out. It's well balanced. It's gorgeous. Good stuff. Delvin? I had a slight conflict with it in that it's a great cover. And I kept looking at it and wanting to be over the top, super motivated to throw it into the fivest of fives. And I'm like, would I put this on my wall? Yes. But there's something that was keeping me from just saying, oh, I just absolutely love it. And it was great. Even though it is very, 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 very good. I don't know. I'm a glass case of emotion. Jason? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know where to go with that. This is a very strong cover, and I think if you put it in context of where we left off the last time and Jean was essentially dying, bringing the space shuttle and trying to save her friends. So if you saw this cover after finishing the last book, well, this one's grabbing you right away. Like, holy cow, what is happening? The look of power, you know, as she's exploding out of the water, the look of fear on the face of her teammates, it really grabs you. Dave Cochran's art is just sensational. Ryan hit the nail on the head. Great costume design. The costume itself makes you say, what is going on here? So I really like this cover. Pat? I'm just going to agree with this is an iconic cover. Like Jared said, when you see it, you know what's happening. The only thing I liked about it as well, too, is the color. For some reason, I like seeing the color pops with this blue background and just that energy of her with the yellow and the X-Men logo. It's very good. Yeah, and her red hair spread out like a flame. That's really Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the coloring. Uh, Gotta love it. Let's go to our ratings then. 
then. So rating reminder is this is a one through five scale. One, you hated it. Two, you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four, you really liked it. Or five, you loved it. Let's get to Ryan's rating on the cover. I give it five pipes. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Now, again, just for the iconic status of the image and in terms of like poster quality, it has that sense of drama and suspense, action, and the newness of Jean Grey, who like historically up until the development that Chris Claremont is going to take the character on, she was a very weakly defined, weak kind of underserviced member of the X-Men cast. Never that interesting of a character until this story arc and where this one will eventually go over the next year or so. Jared? Can't see Storm's body. It gets a two. (laughs) 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 I got jokes and jokes. I'm going to give it a four. And what's interesting, and I can't wait to hear more from Delvin, is I felt the same way, Delvin. I know it's iconic. I know it's wonderful. I know it's great art, but something about it holds me back from the five and I can't put my finger on it. You and I are in the glass case together, my friend. So what is your ranking? Man, I give it a four as well. And the big conflict is if I had this cover as a poster form, would I put it on my wall? Yes, I would. But just something about it just didn't have me like, yep, absolute five. And that for me is a must. I have to look at it just almost just know immediately like, yep, absolutely five. And I couldn't do it with this cover for whatever reason. So it's a four. Jason? I think that every character has their moment and deserves their own cover. And this is Jean's moment. She absolutely rocks it. It gets a five for me. Pat, you're the last one, I guess. I'm going to say to Jared and Delvin, open up that glass case because I hope there's room for me in it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with a four as well. And Jared, I think that's right. There's something that I feel is kind of just missing it to pop for me. I wonder if it's, I've never been sold on the Jean Grey thing. I know she gets more interesting in the storyline, but I also know it gets very convoluted. So I might be just hesitant about Jean Grey in general. That's my only guess. I think it might be that. I mean, not knowing as well, not reading the whole story. So this is going to be an adventure and I'm looking forward to it and learning this. So maybe I might come back later on and and, and change my mind once I know the bigger story. I agree. Well, speaking of the story, let's go in and get a synopsis from Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. So this one is called Like a Phoenix from the Ashes. And when we last left our merry band of mutants, they had just made a daring escape from Dr. Lang's Doom Space Station. Flying through a deadly radiation storm, Jean had secured her team and Dr. Corbeau into a protective storage locker and took the helm herself, trusting in her telekinetic shields to protect her. With the ship breaking apart and her shields failing, Jean barely manages to bring the craft down in a somewhat controlled crash into Jamaica Bay. All the X-Men survive and are 
shocked when Jean bursts from the water in a new costume, proclaiming, I am Phoenix, before losing consciousness. After evading airport security, the X-Men await Jean's fate at the hospital. After being told that she is going to make a full recovery, Professor X sends the X-Men, Sans Scott, to Ireland for a mandatory vacation. Reluctantly, our mutant team agrees, and they find themselves at Banshee's creepy castle, Cassidy Keep. Some of the X-Men are more excited than others to spend their vacation in an old fortress on a remote part of Ireland, but they agree to make the most of it. After a scene in which Storm takes a shower with her mutant abilities, a scene I'm quite certain my brother Death Grove lingered on. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) The gang gathers to have dinner with the castle's keeper and Banshee's family friend, Eamon O'Donnell. All appears copacetic until the team plunges through a trap door to come face-to-face with none other than the brigand Black Tom Cassidy and the unstoppable Juggernaut. Worse still, being caught in the dungeon of Cassidy Keep triggers Storm's claustrophobia and she collapses before the battle can be joined. Will the X-Men survive this deadly attack? Will Storm overcome her fears in order to help her team? Why has O'Donnell betrayed Manchie? Will Jared give this comic a five because of the Storm shower scene? <laughs> Stay tuned. Yes, yes. <laughs> Back to you, Pat. Well, thank you, Jason, for that awesome recap. Let's get into the brick or brack for this issue. Do we start with first read or reread? This is a first read for me. Jason? This is a reread for me. Delvin? <laughs> first read for me, Jared? First read. I think we're about to throw out another boo, Ryan. <laughs> You know, if this had been a first read for Jason, I would have said it's a first read for me just so that we could all do the reading rainbows. I guess. Uh, no, I, I've read this issue several times. Uh, <laughs> Maybe next time, folks. Maybe next time. Let's get into some highs and lows. So, Ryan, when going through and, and finding guests for this show, you chose this specific issue. Could you tell me why? Storm. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's correct. I, I love this era of X Men comics because she gets naked a lot, like every other issue. And they just they find an excuse for her to just like strip down and just start bathing in the wind and the rain. Yeah, now I, Jared's gonna know why I kept bringing the X Men issues into the bathroom with me when I was, oh God. <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, yeah, no, I like this issue. I like how dramatically it begins with a space shuttle just crashing. Jeans, what appears to be her sacrifice from the last issue, and again, like at the time, like she was easily probably the most forgettable character like that could have been the death of the character they could have just written her off and it would have been a noble end for a character that never really got a chance to shine but instead Claremont takes her on this dramatic rebirth and when you read the title like a phoenix I can't help but think of there was an episode of Seinfeld when George's dad said I'm like a phoenix rising from Arizona I'm like a phoenix rising from Arizona (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, her dramatic sort of resurrection in a new costume and the questions that everybody has, the way the whole group goes to the hospital. We see Wolverine has feelings for her. He goes out and buys her flowers. Again, not something that most people's modern image of Wolverine would do. Xavier's creepy admission (laughs) of what he used to think about his teenage student. Gross. Um, Right. The pathos for Scott, the fact that when he finds out she's going to survive, he has to like separate himself and just kind of like go and just like kind of break down. And then very quickly, you know, this was like the old Marvel style you know we have this giant beginning with a bang and then it's like alright well everybody just go on vacation and they very quickly just change locations they go to Ireland off the coast Banshee's got this castle his brother is teaming up with Juggernaut and they're gonna have like this whole little haunted castle adventure which I just I, I really dig and and Storm you know just <laughs> yeah, get naked <laughs> so, those are all my highs some um, lows 
could have had more storm. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, my only low would be a sort of imbalance in the action with how the story begins, and then the rest of the issue is really set up for what's going to be the next couple issues. So, Delvin, what'd you think? Good immediate resolution of last issue's cliffhanger. And you know how some storytellers like, oh, well, what happened last issue? Well, we're going to keep you on the hook for another two issues before you. No, they continued the story immediately because end of issue 100 was huge, and they started a resolution for it. So that was very cool and gratifying uh, after reading that book. Also good, it was sort of a plot line that they left open a couple issues back concerning Sean Cassidy and Black Tom. So that was cool. They didn't keep people on the hook too long waiting for that. So that was very cool and a good way to transition to it where they're almost like, hey, we don't want to really start on this Phoenix thing yet because this is going to it's going to take a minute. So let's give this very good distraction that we started a couple of issues back. So that was very good. It's not really bad. It's just kind of a note. Interesting that they started talking about Phoenix, but it was kind of scratching my head because, you know, they dropped in the water. Then all of a sudden, Jean comes out. I was like, I'm Phoenix. And it was like, you know, even though the narrator, who, of course, is Chris Claremont, kept saying over and over, yeah, she did. She she did. And it was like, no, I'm a Phoenix. Wait, no, I'm Jean. No, wait, what? Huh? What? And don't worry. I mean, they keep this confusion going for a good several decades. But that was a little bit weird and disjointed where they introduced Phoenix, where maybe I missed some hints, but they hadn't really talked anything really about a Phoenix before this issue. So it was a little bit confusing. But that's more of just an interesting note than a outright criticism of the book or anything. It was still a very, very good read. Jared, what do you think? I already know one of your highs. Say my highs. <laughs> We should should skip one of your highs and just go to the other (laughs) side. So, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was a naked storm in here. (laughs) We noticed. I liked it. I liked it a lot. My tummy feathers, they responded. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think those are your tummy feathers. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, One tummy feather in particular responded. (laughs) It's a strong... Strong response. I'm going to throw a shout out for a high to the art. No, I'm not just talking about Naked Storm, but she looked great. The art overall, Dave Cockham did a wide range of stuff from a nice mm-hmm. montage open shot with her face and the space shuttle to the double page spread of the space shuttle crash to the character development scenes of raw emotion to architecture in Ireland to the travel montage scene of the jet and the train and the car. Yeah. He showed a lot of range yeah. in this book. I was really impressed by that. So big ups to the art, big ups to a story that's moving along fairly crisply. Again, in my youth, I avoided X-Men because I thought Chris Claremont was too much words, words, words and writing a soap opera. And while there's a lot of emotions involved, I'm realizing as an adult, it's moving along faster than I thought it was as a child. And I'm really enjoying it. So that's really all I have. I don't really have any lows for this one. Not enough Naked Storm, I guess. And Black Tom (laughs) is still not black. So I I don't know what's up with that. That is a good point. He's black Irish. It's a different thing. I tried to tell them this. They <laughs> Jason, what did you think? I think you folks hit on a lot of the things that I had for highs. One of the things that I really enjoy about the X-Men book, it was really prevalent during the Claremont days. When you compare it to other team books, say Avengers or Justice League or things like that, they really take time to show the consequences of the actions and the violence that they're engaged with. And this is a book that really brings that out. You see in the breakdown of Cyclops, I mean, the pressure that he's on. And 
I think one of the things that I've enjoyed is we've done these chronicles, and I never really appreciated it before now where I've had a chance to read it from the get-go, is you really see the pressure that Cyclops is on, you know, to save the world, to save his team, losing a teammate, thinking he's losing genes. So they really kind of touch on the world of PTSD a little bit, what it would be like to be a superhero in Xavier's school. So I thought this issue really did a good job of doing that, as well as introducing the character of Phoenix and setting up the next, what looks to be a really fun romp through Cassidy Keep. That's the one big up for me. The big low, we already talked about Xavier's crush on Gene. I've never really liked that. It's always made me really uncomfortable. And it's only mentioned a couple times, but every time it's brought up, I'm like, ew, it's not good. Very uh, good. If there's yeah. another word that I could use besides ungood, I would, but one word doesn't exist. Man, no, it's just creepy. It's yeah, just creepy. I was just yeah. say, it's creepy. And then you throw in the fact that like Cyclops is supposed to be like a son to Xavier, and this is just like, this. yeah, I just, I don't like that. So those are my highs and lows. Pat, why don't you bring us home? What do you think? Well, I'm going to agree with Jared on definitely the full artwork that is done on this whole issue. It is amazing. That opening full page and then that layout full two-pager on the next two pages is an awesome artwork done there. I also want to mention the lettering as well. There's some nice lettering moments in here. Definitely at the end. I like it when you have, and I'm juggernaut, when they do those awesome letters there. To- yeah, that, that is cool. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. The letters don't get a lot of love, man. That's that's a good point. Then at the next issue. We've got some really cool lettering there as well, too. So definitely a good art and lettering force on this, along with the storytelling. I was captivated from beginning to the end on this story, and I'm interested in learning more and more about this story as it progresses. I've heard so much about it. Now I'm getting to actually read through it and enjoy it. We get to see the beginning of the Phoenix. That's awesome. We also have see the beginning of Wolverine's love for Jean, which is interesting as well. Of course, Storm Shower Sheen. It's a page there. <laughs> and the dress. <laughs> And you didn't mention, mention the dress. Yeah, 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 that's right. Mm-hmm. right. Getting to see Juggernaut at the end there, I was really cool. I'm like, oh, it's Juggernaut, cool. But I don't know who Black Tom is either, so but, you know, I'm more impressed with Juggernaut. I don't know the power levels there, but I guess we'll find out. I guess my low is, and it's kind of a question, why is Wolverine dressed like a cowboy? He's got like that, you know, like that thing, millionaire man. cowboy look. And like, <laughs> it's like the wannabe cowboy look, too. It's not even like a real cowboy. Yeah, it's like he should be on, you know, next on Dallas. Yeah, right. You know, like like the shoestring tie and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see the hat and the, you know, why you got the tie and the gloves. I I just don't get that outfit. He's a Canadian cow rustler. That's what throws me out, too. I was going to say, isn't he from Canada? There could be cowboys in Canada. They have oil barons up there, I'm sure. (laughs) They got Mounties. We got to get Ross Michaud to weigh in on this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Everybody, if he shows up dressed up just like how Wolverine's dressed, this is how we always dress in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but other than that, I think you guys have mentioned a lot of it. I'm really interested and looking forward into the next issues as we go here. I don't know how long this story goes out for, but it uh, sounds like you guys kind of know and made it sound like it goes for a while. I'm really into this one. I'm still more into the X-Men than I am Spidey, but Spidey's kind of creeping up there again as we go. With that, why don't we get to who went the extra mile in this issue? Let's start with Ryan. Well, you know, obviously. <laughs> 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 From the shower scene to the backless dress, I mean, 
mean, it's quite obvious. And I know Jared will expound more on that. So I'm actually going to mention my honorable mention for the extra mile is Cyclops, just because I like his reaction to Jean's fate, the uncertainty when he's in the waiting room. And then once the doctor comes out, Dr. McKay says she'll be fine. You get this panel with everybody kind of erupting in excitement and happiness and joy. And, and Xavier can't even like control him. He's like hovering his eyes. And it's like, where's Scott? Kurt kind of goes to the side and Scott is in this other room breaking down. And I've always liked Cyclops, which is a weird thing because Cyclops is not really a likable character. He's very repressed. He's a control freak. And for most of publishing history, he has been a foil for Wolverine. And Wolverine is everything cool, everything that kids and new readers want. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He's badass. You know, he's all these things. So when you're always contrasting him, whether as a leader or a love contender for Gene, Cyclops is not the likable character. But I've always liked him, and I think Claremont kind of got the handle on this, that it's because when you think about who Scott Summers is, he's somebody who can never look you in the eye. Mm. Like, he always has to be wearing gloves. He literally always has to be repressing his power, his emotion. What do you think about what eye contact is to kind of human connectivity? He doesn't have that. He's always somewhat removed from other people. And you look at who he shares his life with in, you know, 50 years of publishing, the loves of his life have been mostly Jean Grey or Emma Frost more recently. Those are both telepaths. In the 90s, he had a brief kind of psychic affair with Psylocke, also a telepath. And he's like the father figure with Xavier. The reason he connects to those people are because they can read his emotions, they can read his mind in a way that he can never share with other people because he doesn't open up with his eyes or with his mouth. He, he doesn't communicate that way. So he needs somebody who can read his mind kind of in order to express and to connect. So I like that awkwardness and that distance about Cyclops. But if you don't get that, then it's really easy to think he's just kind of an ass and he's not, he's not a likable character. So I like that we get that peek behind who he is in this one. So he would be my runner up for who gets the extra mile. <laughs> but yeah, it's Storm. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes really back to well Storm. thought out and then at the end he was like and boobies <laughs> well it's not it's not like he didn't say what you were going to say anyway you might be surprised my friend Jared what do you think about those hips and those <laughs> and those legs those hips don't lie hi Jared will I be surprised <laughs> no you probably won't I, you know what here's the thing and I want to actually expand just a little bit about what Ryan was saying I've also always been a fan of Cyclops I liked him even when I was a kid. And Ryan just did a real good sort of psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. And my add-on to that is in my day job, I teach leadership classes. And being a leader of your peers is the most difficult type of leadership there is. And so I always, I think, tune into that. I'm always sensitive to the fact that he leads a tough life. And Jason alluded to that as well. It is hard to do what he does. Because he's going through all the same tragedy as the other folks. But he's constantly thinking, how do I keep these people alive? How do I get everybody home? This is on me. I have to do this. For the same reason, Leonardo was my favorite Ninja Turtle. I think leadership of one's peers is highly underrated, so I just wanted to tack that on to what Ryan had to say. And I think mm. there's a, Amen. I think you can compare Cyclops and Wolverine to Leonardo and Raphael. Absolutely. I think they're very, very similar character dynamics between those two. Absolutely. So yeah, I've been on Cyclops too, although I'm going to give my award, my Extra Mile Award too. surprise, surprise, I'm giving it to Nightcrawler. You know what? You stole mine. You stole mine. Okay. Well, I'll tell you why, and we'll see if we have the same reasoning. Okay. I think Nightcrawler gets the extra mile award because when he found Scott breaking down and having his moment, mm -hmm. he had the maturity, the wherewithal to just close that door and say, Scott needs some time. Mm -hmm. Where any one of us would have been like, look at the candy 
is crying in the room over here. Are you crying? Are you, you crying right now? There's no crying, no crying in X Men. <laughs> oh my God, Logan Pilder, you got to come take a look at this. <laughs> he has iPhone out recording it. Yeah, but selfies with crying cyclops. I mean, the the, the low hanging fruit, which is again my nickname in college. It was. I just <laughs> want to reconfirm that. Still his nickname. His store, but I was really impressed by I big on touching character moments, and I thought Nightcrawler really played that really smooth like, and I thought that's a good friend right there. So I'm giving it to Nightcrawler. Also, you know, Storm Spook. Well, I'm going to jump the line here and say Kurt is mine as well. He has gone the extra mile, not only for that bit of him comforting and and looking out for his leader, giving him that moment. Also, he has some good fun along the way. I think he brings more energy and fun in their trip Mm -hmm. as well, too. And that I like that he does his best to get to Storm before... He teleports into her room when she's yeah. probably dressing. <laughs> he had been two minutes earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Timing is everything, Nightcrawler. Those are my additional regions for Kurt. Let's go to Jason. You guys are all wrong. The extra mile for the creepy reason, and we'll call it the sextra mile, oh, <laughs> goes to Professor X, who came up with the baller plan to ship all those to Ireland so he could mac on Jean Grey. <laughs> Brilliant. Still have Scott. (laughs) Yeah, he'll deal with Scott in a minute. I suppose he can mind wipe him. He can mind wipe him. (laughs) He got rid of that whole team so he could have some Hot Wheels action (laughs) with with Gene Gray. (laughs) Brilliant move, Professor X. Delvin. Save us. Mine was Storm and Boots. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it wasn't. I I, 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 I couldn't resist the joke. The joke was. It actually was Storm, but for an entirely different reason. It was really cool when, you know, Nightcrawler kind of came in and, you know, said, well, I'm going to be your date tonight. And then Colossus and Nightcrawler were arguing over whose date was. And she was like, I'm my own person. Like, we can be each other's dates as equals. And I'm like, well, dang, that was. So like a devil's threesome going on here? <laughs> no, you sicko. It was oh. a good moment for a female character, and especially a minority female character, to be like, no. We're going to treat each other as equals. And they're like, yep, that's cool. And you I mean, read that totally different than I did. <laughs> of, of, course I, of course I did. And, and Delvin we, read female empowerment and Jason did not. He saw Devil's Threesome. We see where you're going with the whole yeah. Professor X thing that you you say you don't like, but then yeah. you gave him the extra mile for it. Hey, you yeah, give he, credit where credit is the due, extra man. mile in like, the wrong direction. There's a ticket for you and a ticket for you and a ticket for you. Get out of my house. He could have saved the money and just like brainwashed them and said, oh, yeah, you're in Ireland, but they're all just sitting in their rooms. (laughs) Well, that would be just wrong. (laughs) Oh, that's wrong. That's that part of it, not the under. But we should move on to the ratings. Yeah, let's get to the ratings. (laughs) Ratings. (laughs) So you all know our rating system. It's a one through five. Let's get down to it. Ryan, what are you going to rate this issue? This one is going to be... For me, it's a low five, just because this is really like the beginning of what we're going to see. I I envy you guys, especially you guys reading this for the first time, because it's going to be a, the Phoenix saga is going to take a while to unfold, but like this whole kind of era, sort of the 
Cockrum's the end of his era and leading into John Byrne stuff. This is just the start of some really, really great X-Men stories. So yeah, I love this, but it gets better from there. So I'm going to be on the low five end of it. Very encouraging words there. Jared, what'd you think? I'm giving it four storm boobies. Oh. <laughs> that's the new rating scale, right? No, that's... That'd, that'd be creepy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine. I'll do four. <laughs> I got to come with a new rating scale. I guess four pictures of Jean Grey that she doesn't know Professor X has. <laughs> There's so much wrong with this podcast. Are we going downhill? We're not going downhill. Going downhill? (laughs) (laughs) Rolling around at the bottom. Uh, For reals, it's a four. I thought it was really good. I'm looking forward to more. I think we are in Cassidy Creep's dungeon right now. (laughs) (laughs) Delvin, what you got, bud? It also gets uh, four locks of Storm's hair. See, that was a much. See, that that was kind of. Very classy. Very classy. No, it's more creepy. I know which locks. It's the locks that are covering up the. I regret saying what I did <laughs> instantly. It does get a four. There was nothing wrong with the uh, well, four obviously says there's nothing wrong, but clearly nothing wrong with the book. That cliffhanger still is in my head from last issue. It was freaking feels that was great. That's about the best of a cliffhanger as I've ever seen. And this issue, just plenty of great stuff in it. It didn't reach the ridiculous, crazy levels of last issue, and that's not a bad thing because not many things can reach that level of last issue so uh, it gets a four but still fantastic book fantastic story arc so far Jason? I agree with your four. I think this issue didn't have a lot of action, like you mentioned, like we saw last time around. But as I've become a little bit older and a little more mature, hopefully, <laughs> as not really demonstrated during this, this episode. <laughs> I was just going to say, I got, uh, the audio says otherwise, sir. Well, I really appreciate how Claremont sometimes does take a moment to back away from the action, focus a little bit more on the characters, which this story obviously did. And it gave multiple characters time to shine. And like Ryan says, it's really setting up something great. So, yeah, it's a strong four for me. What about you, Pat? I'm going to agree with you guys as well, too. It is a four for me as well. Enjoyed the art, enjoyed the story, and I am definitely interested in following more about this story and where it goes. I think with that, we will go ahead and give this issue a close and take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. In the annals of television history, there are TV shows and characters that changed our culture and helped define generations. These are not those shows. It's time to close up the bar, leave the war, and quit your yuppie whining so you can step on board the Enterprise D, run alongside the Hoff, stop time with your fingers, and introduce your family to the voice input child identikit. Because this summer, Pop Culture Affidavit is taking you to the depths of 80s and 90s television with It Came From Syndication! For seven weeks, I'll be taking a look at a variety of syndicated TV genres, from the lauded science fiction of Star Trek The Next Generation to the... This was a show? Of Small Wonder. Along the way, we'll battle with the Thundercats, run through the funhouse, give thumbs up at the movies, and have a very current affair. Pop Culture Affidavit presents... It Came From Syndication! Coming July 11th, to popcultureaffidavit.com and two true freaks.com. 
Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback portion of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you want to just keep it short with star ratings, it helps to raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. We're going to kick off some social media likes, shares, and retweets from some of our great followers. Kick it off, Ryan. Aaron Head Moss. Yo, Jeff, left our comments with Al Sedano. Now we have Alice Harder Salieris. Chris at PTO and Bat Books. And speaking of Roland, we have Clinton. Speaking of Roland, we have Clinton Robinson. Clinton's head coffee and comics podcast. Our old friend, old Ben One, Dave Collins. That was just a crazy old man. My counterpart, Delvin Cox. Check out Delvin Cox Experience. Great listen. Douglas Heidzig. Thanks for listening, Doug. Next is Francisco Vanagola, I think. Nailed Vanagola? it. Yes, awesome. And next up, Gotham Shiorin. That's Dr. G, the man of nerdology. My buddy and purchaser of Hamilton versus Burrow Werewolf Tale, Jerry Green. Next, we have Green Lantern HD at Green Lantern HD. Jeffrey Fonzo. Thanks for listening, Fonz. Hey. 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 Then this is one we're still trying to figure out here. It's Canadian Daredevil. He, he tried to fool us with this gym thing, but we yeah. know who it is. We know. know who it is. Next up, Jonathan Schaefer Hames from the Married with Comics podcast. Mm-hmm. He knows what he did. Yeah. Next up is Justice's First Dawn at Classic JLA. Next up, we have Ken Solo. Thanks, Ken. The army comes rolling along. Kirk Spencer at Big Five Army. Then we have Laurel at Mountain Flower One. We got to have dinner with Laurel and here at Heroes Con, so it was great meeting you, Laurel. Yes, it was. Paul Hicks at Reading Hicks, currently using the Twitter handle, Let's Talk Paramecium's. <laughs> <laughs> what if I want to just talk one mecium? No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Gotta talk about both of them. You gotta, gotta follow somebody else on Twitter for that. <laughs> you gotta right, talk well. about the whole pair. <laughs> Thanks for being a loyal listener, Mr. Mike Peacock. Proud to have you. Then we have Neil Layden. Hey, we know this guy is Professor Frenzy at Professor Frenzy. Thanks for listening. Then we have, oh, see, I get his opposite from Canadian Daredevil is Ross Michaud. Thanks, Ross. And I know who you are. You never see them both in the same place. Crazy. Then we have Sean Jump. Go ahead and jump. Can't you see I'm standing here back against the wrecking machine? Thank you, Jason. We kind of did both. Oh, that would be a good match. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Thanks, Sean. Shelby Fawcett. Thanks, Shelby. Steve Hopkins. Thanks for listening, Steve. Then our buddy Tim Price. Thanks, Tim. Finally, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, part of the RAD network and their three Twitter handles, Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. All right. I'll bring us down into our comments. And the comment I'm going to pick for this week is going to be from Clinton Robinson, who wants to know who let the Albrecht Brothers drive that menace mobile. You know what? 
My brother Jason said it on more than one occasion. We do what we want. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have a comment from uh, Tim Price saying, I thought this was Calvin's show. How can he not be on his own show? That's just wrong. Who's Calvin? <laughs> <laughs> See, I went looking for a gif of Calvin from the Calvin from McDonald's commercial, but I couldn't find it. So. <laughs> So I settled on Calvin and Hobbes, but it was a merry typo. So, yeah, thanks, Tim. And then we've got one from Let's Talk Paramecium's, our friend Paul Heath from Down Under. Says, Delvin was great in this episode. And we all know since it's, you know, Down Under, it's backwards. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was insulting you, Delvin. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see how oh oh because i wasn't in it oh uh-huh. and brian a.r washington said i actually have this issue which is a weird thing to brag about but cool <laughs> <laughs> so did we coincidentally <laughs> then i'll just end it with one other one from our friend dave old ben one collins he is also in the troop of missing delvin as well and as he says delvin is probably out throwing a trash can and helicopters which he probably was i think there should be a soundbite or something you can use there thanks everyone for the follows likes and shares and comments we appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast and that's the show be sure to check out the website longbox crusader chronicles.blogspot.com that's a mouthful where posts will be made for journaling this crusade i want to thank jared jason delvin and ryan for joining me on this episode but before we go let's find out where listeners can find us on the internet ryan uh you can find me on facebook and twitter Twitter, Ryan Daly. You can find me as part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am the host of Cheers Cast, the podcast about the TV show Cheers. I've also got several shows in various states of hiatus, but those include Batman Nightcast, covering the post-crisis on Infinite Earth's era of Batman comics. Give me those Star Wars, Power of Fishnets, and probably another, oh, Midnight the Podcasting Hour, which will have a new episode coming out this Halloween. Yay. Nice. Ooh, Hamilton versus Burr. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually a vampire-themed episode, uh-huh. so can you, do, <laughs> can you do like a Ulysses S. Grant <laughs> vampire story I'll next get time? on it. I'll get on it. Actually, my brother's writing the vampire story. No joke. Sure oh, am. Supposed, he's supposed to be. <laughs> I am. I am. Speaking about your brother, Jason, where can people find you? Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram and at Weasel Skull on Twitter. Delvin, where can the trolls troll you? I can be trolled at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. I can now say that in my sleep. Like, when we first started this i had to look at it <laughs> that's on twitter drop in troll anytime jared i'm yard sale artist on twitter yard sale artist on facebook yard sale artist on instagram yard sale artist on aol and yard sale artist on myspace those last two aren't true pat <laughs> well you can find me on twitter at christatos01 and you can join me there i'm currently not playing any game so i'm not going to do any of that right now Aww. yeah yeah. But if you like more from us, you can listen to us on this feed as well, where we do Longbox Crusade and also Saturday Matinee Theater as well. Or you can find us on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, where we are going through all the Bond movies. Mm-hmm. So give that a listen as well. So with that, thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. you got a comment or question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read the mind. Read the mind.
Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I M 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Good morning, Longbox Crusade. Yeah, it's early out West Coast. <laughs> yeah, and we're here to rock you from Amazing Spider-Man to X-Men 103. I think Jason or whatever. Wrong comic. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh-oh. Well, I watched the next episode of Sherlock Holmes, so let's do it. All right. <laughs> You're going to have to tell us what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> well, I guess we'll do it this way. Live? Live, yeah. Yep, doing it live. So, Ryan, how are you? Oh, that's kind of personal. I don't really feel like I should answer that. <laughs> and then buy it there, and then it will appear on your thing. And I'm just like, it's like going to McDonald's and they're like, all right, listen, we don't make Big Macs here. What you got to do? You got <laughs> to drive down to this other store. What you got to do is. It's actually, the, the, the analogy you're posing, it's more like a drug deal. Yeah, pay that guy at the corner, go around the other side. You know? The code word is. This is like, we're all sauce. working for the Burger King now, all right? That's not true. It is true. <laughs> I listen to other podcasts. They educate me. That's not like, we, like we don't educate anybody, but. Hey, Delvin, while we're waiting, would you do yes. me a favor and just count to 10 and I'll check that audio? One. You're putting, you're putting, damn it, Patrick. You're putting me on Three. a with, with uh, my numbers. All right, count to seven. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> still kind of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, nine. You're solid. Ten. You sound more solid, so now do it in your announcing voice. Uh what is that? Spectre announcing voice. <laughs> seven. One, one, two, <laughs> three. Now <Down>, Jerry. <laughs> four. Alright, I'm all set, Pat. Five. Cool. <laughs> He's still going. Six, Everybody's seven, evacuated the base but you, Jerry. Eight. I got to do my here. job. Nine. <laughs> ten. Okay, I can go now. We're ready. <laughs> got to finish the count. I, I mean, know, man. Countdown Jerry doesn't have <laughs> his job. We determined that. <laughs> and I can't have <laughs> it on my impression, so we're good. Let's get to Ryan's comments. Ryan, what would you think? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read these books. Well, if you guys are ready, we can start. Let's nah, go. Nah, <laughs> I need more time. <laughs> I just really want to talk to you guys. I don't even care if we do a podcast. <laughs> That's how this podcast started. Yeah, podcast started. Looks like we got another guy to join us now. Woo! <laughs> Pat was like, "I'm lonely. Can I record our conversations?" I was like, "Okay." Yeah. And, that, I, and, you know, when I go to bed at night, sometimes I'll replay them. It helps me sleep. <laughs> same thing. I'll reach over across the bed. and It's like that lonely survivor that's on the radio in his basement at the end of the world. Is there anybody out there? Talk Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs>
These nuts. Hello. Anyone? These nuts. These nuts jokes. Espedito. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, hello. Are there any popes in the pool? <laughs> <laughs> On top of the cover, it says Spider-Man. What the heck was that? Was somebody in a haunted house? That's Jason's haunted house again. <laughs> I think Jason left. You scared him away. Oh, sorry. Julie came in here. She wanted me to. I'm going to text you guys this latest raccoon that she did for, for our arts thing. Julie, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's on your way to you guys. <laughs> sorry. Let's do a show. <laughs> you guys need to quit screwing around. Are, 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 you, are you sure, Jason? Is there anything else you need to share with the class? <laughs> it's our anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Happy it's anniversary. Are you wanting me to sing or you wanting me to do the cover? I'm confused. Both. <laughs> sing first and then cover. Ah, you okay. Would, it's our anniversary. Okay, now cover. Well, uh, guys, I'm going to give us. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> ask Pat. Somebody thanks, has... thanks, Jason. I'll go ahead and go here. Pat, you're the uh, host. You uh, can start talking whenever you want. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I got to step away for just a second here. Is he gone? <laughs> okay. I thought you it was continue, a joke right? I was like, is he coming back at Sean Connery? <laughs> and the other thing there, too, is he calls somebody Snake Eyes. I'm like, wow, I haven't seen somebody call Snake Eyes besides a G.I. Joe issue. <laughs> that's two different I'm like, that's not so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes isn't working with the mob on the side. No, you never know. You don't you know. Never know. It's classified. It's classified. It's, it's background. He class. was a quiet one. In, in That's the right. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't make it very He good didn't talk comment. much about his other his Talk, other Snake Eyes. Talk. We did see him win big at a craps game, though. Yeah, see? Uh-huh. There we go. There is a connection. Yeah, he won a car for that. A car crap. and like a cowboy hat. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, but anyway, I really love that cover of issue 21. Oh, man, was that awesome. <laughs> You're on the wrong podcast. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Alexander Hamilton. You know them. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> this is how I wish history would be taught at the school. <laughs> you guys do a good job. I like this. <laughs> so, Ryan, what made you – you wanted to be on this specific issue. What was specific, it that – Specific. Specific. I'm on the Pacific issue since I'm on the Pacific coast. Espedito! <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. Aaron Burr. <laughs> Aaron Burr, Beelzebub. You'll never forget this promo. But did you know? Oh, one of them was a werewolf. werewolf. But did somebody say Espedito? I yelled Espedito. Maybe. Ryan, did you yell Espedito too? I did. <laughs> I, 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 I closed the script about five minutes ago. I was like, oh, shoot, I know there's something that I have to yell out. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part of this episode was Ryan going, we got to wrap this up in 10 minutes. We we're like, let's do it. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, in every other episode we've done, Delvin's like, I gotta get to bed. We're like, whatever. Whatever, Delvin. <laughs> Traffic. Gotta get to bed. That's <laughs> can. Yeah. Only item of note I have for our team. I know, Jason, you're trying to get out the door. I think there's going to be a pretty heavy redo of the entire schedule that I poured all that time and effort into because Pat sucks. Yep. Anybody have questions on that? No, got it. Pat sucks. Mm, Pat sucks. <laughs>